Episode 7, Pornography, A Secret That Can Destroy Your Marriage. Welcome back to One Extraordinary Marriage, where we talk about life, love, and the pursuit of intimacy. You're here with Elisa DiLorenzo. And Tony DiLorenzo. And we're tackling a pretty heavy subject tonight. We're going to be talking about pornography and its implications in your marriage. Um, But before we get to that, we always like to sort of catch you up on what's been going on with us and how we've been faring over the last week. And Tony's had the sniffles, so if you hear him sniffle a little bit uh, during this podcast, you know why. He'll try and keep it (laughs) to a minimum. but uh, I will. But you know what? Earlier in the week, I wasn't feeling too hot. Not at all. I, I wasn't. And, I, you know, I think I need to tell our listeners in all honesty, because we're about being open and honest to our listeners, that I, I just wasn't into it this week. I wasn't really into our marriage in the first part of this week. Agreed. The, the, the sickness um, got sick, as everybody knows, some weeks back, throwing up profusely, and then came down with sort of the sniffles and just wasn't just wasn't feeling it. And as many of you know, or are or new listeners who don't know, Elisa and I have made a pact to each other that we make love twice a week. One day, one time is my turn to initiate, Mm -hmm. and the other time is Elisa's time to initiate. And Tuesday, I have Sunday, Monday, or Tuesday night to initiate, and Tuesday came around, and it was the last day to initiate. Clock's ticking. Clock's ticking. Yeah, it's sort of when we get to the the third day, we sort of know we're making love. But... um, I just wasn't feeling it. I just wasn't. And I remember just sort of sitting in bed with you just going, really? I I don't want to make love. I just don't. I'm tired. And I felt sort of like out of an obligation that, okay, maybe I should just go through it. And then I was thinking about last week's podcast when we were talking about quality versus quantity. Was that last week's? Uh, two weeks ago. I think it was two weeks ago. Two weeks ago. When we we're talking about quality versus quantity, and I'm thinking to myself, am I going to just do it to just say I did it? Or really, I want the quality of our sex life to be up. Agreed. So I just remember just sort of lying next to you and just going, basically, <laughs> I don't want to do it. I don't care. I am tired. I don't feel it. And, you know, that's the first time since we started doing this that um, I can recall on my side that I just wasn't into it. I think so. I, I don't really keep track anymore. It's one of those things where I think because we don't made, keep track of when we're making love. No, I don't keep track of the, it happens so infrequently that we don't follow our, our lifestyle that I don't really keep track of it and go, Ooh, that's one for Tony or that's right. one. I, I just, it doesn't yeah. even really register. For yeah, no, me. no, I get you on that. I just, I just sort of felt, blah and it was sort of weird because we really didn't talk about it much i was just sort of like eh, i don't feel like it and rolled over i think if i can recall i was tired too well i think the illness has really just taken a lot out of you and that happens when people are sick i mean that's right. one of those things to keep in mind you know when your spouse is going through something physically that you know there are going to be times when intimacy physical intimacy is the farthest thing from their mind or their desire <laughs> This is true. And so rather, you know, I'm so glad that Tony didn't, you know, out of a sense of obligation, you know, try and initiate sex that night because it would have been, you know, probably just another thing on his to-do list as opposed to the next day, Wednesday, start of my week or my three days. 
and we did make love and it was wonderful and yeah. we were we were really in a place to connect and so sometimes you have to really evaluate where you both are so that you're not just saying all right it's tuesday let's do it we got to do it because it's on the calendar um <laughs> no and, and, and you're right on i mean just being able to just go you know what i don't feel it and to come on to wednesday when you were feeling you know what i want to initiate i was there i i felt a lot better i was sort of out of my doldrums through mm-hmm. the sickness and i could tell i was starting to get better and to actually make love to you that night was a quality night for us well and i think the other thing too is that because we have so much quantity in our marriage and, you know, twice a week, we, you know, it's pretty regular. Um, You know, I also didn't allow the fact that you didn't initiate on Tuesday, your last day to become an issue with me where I could have easily, you know, a couple years ago would have been like, well, he didn't hold up his end of the bargain. So guess what? On my three days, too bad you're out of luck and then start this kind of vicious cycle where it's like, well, you didn't for me, so I'm not going to for you right? type of thing. So I think, you know, touching on just a little bit on that quality versus quantity argument, when you start to have the quantity in your relationship, you can have those opportunities where you can say, you know what? It's okay that we don't Mm -hmm. make love tonight because I know the next time that we do, it's going to be quality. Yeah. And so I think that's just one of those things that having gone through that experience this past week really sort of hit home. Well, the nice thing too is after Wednesday night, I knew I had Thursday, Friday and Saturday to take a break and then my three days start up. So there you go. Breather. (laughs) So there was a breather there and I just, I sort of just felt like, ah, you know what? It was still good. So nonetheless, it was still (laughs) awesome. I'm happy we did it. I'm glad I'm sort of feeling better and I'm just hoping the rest of the year or the rest of this winter season, I'm good because lately I'm just sort of sick of being tired or sick of being sick and tired. There so, you go. That yeah. whole sick and tired of being sick and tired thing. Yeah. So how about you? How was your week? Pretty good week. You know, I'm taking care of a house full of sick kids and husband. Yeah. And, and gosh, our little one just wakes up every morning way like crack of dawn before the before the uh, sun even comes up. So that's a pain in the butt lately too. Okay, but give her props. The girl is <laughs> getting over sucking her thumb. I so, understand that, know, but she waking me up. Crutch. I know, but waking up also affects my intimacy with you because I'm not getting the sleep I need. <laughs> I know, vicious cycle. She's, she's working through it. It's just, she, it's a yeah. four-year addiction that she's getting over. I understand. She is getting over it. You know, and right. yeah, so that's such a great segue for me start talking about Abby's thumb sucking addiction. We um, received an email last week from one of our listeners, Anita, and she posed this question to us, or actually this comment. She said, I would really appreciate it if you guys would talk more about pornography and how it affects women, wives, and how we can support and encourage our husbands in their struggle with it. Thank you so much. And before we actually get started kind of on our story um, with pornography, I just want to run some statistics by you guys. Uh, I found this on the website linuxjournal.com and these are numbers from September of 2007. And these are staggering, so bear with me and just take some time to process them. And in 2007, the percentage of websites that were pornographic was 12%. The porn percentage of all downloads, 35%. Number of users viewing porn per second, 28,358. 
the amount of U.S. dollars spent on porn every second, $89. Holy cow. Every second. Man. The possession of sex among the most searched words, sex is number one. Mm-hmm. I was just, I as we were doing some research for the show tonight, um, really just <laughs> kind of blown away. Floored. Floored. Yeah, these numbers are huge. So it goes on to say in here, male percentage of internet porn users, 72%. Percentage of porn traffic during the nine to five, eight hour workday, 70%. It's staggering to me. Not only is porn, I mean, these numbers were so outside of my realm, even with what we've dealt with, but to know that it's become so pervasive and accessible on the internet, um, I was really just kind of blown away. And it really hit home to me that this is such a huge, huge topic and a huge problem, one that's not really talked about um, in the sense that, you know, you you can see sort of soft porn, you know, you can turn on commercials on TV or on ESPN or, you know, there are certain hamburger commercials that billboards billboards i mean i've seen magazine ads i've seen our seven-year-old son being you know playing football in the living room and if a certain commercial comes on he all of a sudden is looking at the he's looking at the tv and not looking at the football getting ready to hit him in the face because something caught his attention some woman and i've had to actually turn off the tv I, i mean literally just going you know what or have a channel that you can get to mm-hmm. so when these commercials come on so he's not seeing it and 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 i'm not seeing it agreed you know um i'm gonna turn the mics over to tony right now um as we've talked a little bit about this and even just with him making that comment right now about turning off the tv so that he doesn't see it um pornography has been a part of our marriage um it's been a part of tony's life Mm-hmm. for a very long period of time and we felt it was very important um, that you hear our story and how we've dealt with it um, and to know that a marriage can survive a pornography addiction mm-hmm. but it definitely takes a lot of different components and so we're going to talk about that um, but first I'm just going to let Tony share a story. Thank you. You're welcome. And if I sound a little nervous it's this is big, and I, I've never really talked about pornography to a large group of folks before. I've talked about it um, one-on-one, maybe a small band of guys, but to actually air this out is sort of big. So if I'm a little nervous here and I'm stumbling, I apologize up front. Um, <clears throat> excuse me. I, I got into pornography and viewing pornography when I was 12 years old, I was uh, a part of a Cub Scouts or Boy Scouts uh, where I grew up and we met at a church and some of the older boys had privy to some magazines. And when we had some time one night and the den leaders or whoever the leaders were, were weren't around, we all snuck or most of us snuck out to where these magazines had been hidden by a fence uh, in the back of the church. And I remember as this was my first time viewing pornography, uh, not knowing what it was, obviously, other than I was seeing these glossy, hot women in a magazine. And, you know, from that point, that first 
viewing of these women, I was sucked in. I was literally sucked in and I can remember it being a very consuming thought and knowing every week we were going to be able to go or I was going to be able to go to my Boy Scouts and and view these. Little did I know as I started viewing this and the guys I was hanging out with, they're older guys, they had access to it and I viewed many magazines. Um, it got to the point when my parents would leave to go do something. I remember rummaging through my folks house and I found a stash of magazines that my dad had had. And that became sort of my special little stash. And it was sort of weird because I always had to make sure I was viewing them, but I always had to make sure that they got put back exactly where they were. Cause if they didn't, then what if my folks figured this out? And that was always sketchy. Um, as the years went on, my dad uh, installed a satellite dish, one of the early ones. And I can remember during the summer when my mom and dad were at work, my buddies and I figured out how to break the code to get onto the triple X stations. So now we had not just the looking at women on glossy sheets of paper, but we got the full on sound and positions and all of that stuff. So it was, it started out young. I started out very young and it just progressed from there. Um, you know, I can remember, man, when the internet first came out, I remember having one at home. We had a computer at home and I remember being able to try and view it there. Um, throughout college, I would view it on computers there. I was never the guy though that would just sort of like stack up magazines. I was more the, I'm going to watch it and view it on the internet. Um, little did I know that it, it was just destroying my perception, my view of women, mm -hmm. you know? Um, so that was through the college years. Just kept looking at it there. Obviously we met during our college years. Yeah, we met the uh, the summer before our senior year in college. Right. And I had really no idea. Right. And I mean, then it was mainly on computer. You know, mm -hmm. I could do it when I wanted to. Nobody would necessarily know I was viewing it. I could do it at odd hours. I could do it, um, gosh, wherever I wanted to. Mm -hmm. You know, it's not like we have now, which is even crazier. Right. I mean, I think you, I know that you had like the penthouse letters, stuff like that yeah. back then. I mean, yeah. I, I had seen them. Right. Um, yeah. I always had a stash. I mean, I just never had like a huge stash. Yeah. I mean, it wasn't like I would walk into your, your room in, in, yeah, the, I didn't have in the fraternity house and go, oh my gosh, you know, right. crazy guy. Got it was naked women it, all over. Right. You know, that kind of thing. It was never. <laughs> it, it was. Very, I was very secretive about it. Yeah. Very secretive. Yeah. I, I, you know, as part of it was sort of like, eh, nobody needs to know. I've been doing it for long enough. And um, it just sort of kept it on the down low. Little did I know how it was. I, I didn't realize how it was affecting how I viewed women. And mm -hmm. specifically yourself as we begin to court each other. Right. Right. You know. Because we met and then we met in the summer of 94. Mm-hmm. And 
two years later we were married. Right. And you were still viewing pornography. Yes, I was. I mean, heck, we would we would read penthouse letters in our bed. Right. I mean, you were a part of that. Right. But I had no idea. No. The the the, the part that you had no idea about was many nights when we would be reading in bed and you had a long day at work and you'd fall asleep, I would get up and go into our second bedroom and be viewing pornography until, you know, 11, 12 o'clock at night. So there was that whole other life that you were leading that... You didn't know about. I had no idea. Right. Yeah. I would just steal away and and, and look at it. Um, many times I would masturbate to it, mm-hmm. which now I understand how that was really robbing us of intimacy. Mm-hmm. You know, um, on a couple of occasions, I started jumping into chat rooms, which was really weird. How? It was just, it was just odd to be in these chat rooms with other someone else on the other side speaking or typing and I'm reading these sexual you know gestures I guess I don't know what you call them but suggestions these yeah and it just uh, I felt at that point I had crossed a huge line okay you know between us I, I had crossed some line I didn't know what it was I just knew it wasn't where I should be Okay. And um, I made sure never to do that stuff again. Mm-hmm. I, I just walked away from that. I was like, no way. I walked away from the, let me, let me restate that. I walked away from the chat rooms. Mm-hmm. I didn't walk away from the numerous pictures I could find for free and the video. Okay. Yeah. I mean, I didn't, I didn't walk away from that. So, and that went on for years. And then I started working with a company, uh, psh- 99% male and uh, we would be out doing our stuff uh, we were working in LA and some days it would be very very slow many of the guys we would listen to uh, Howard Stern all day long all morning long for our drive into LA and then we would if it was slow uh, a number of the guys had pornography magazines mm-hmm. and so we'd sit around and look at those if it was really slow and we needed to kill a couple hours, we'd hit the strip clubs. And all this was really, again, I'm looking back and I look back and I see how it was destroying and did destroy how I viewed you. Right. And how I expected you to perform in the bedroom, how I expected you to look. It. My mind was so warped. It it's by the grace of God that I don't have those images in my head anymore. Okay. And so, you know, those years went by and again, you didn't know much about it. I think even by that time we had stopped doing the penthouse letters stuff. Yeah. And when we first got married, we lived down in the desert. I don't think we ever did it after we left our apartment. I mean, I don't even think we did it that long in Palm desert. No, I don't think we did either. You know? And, um, it was true. I mean, we were we were working crazy long hours. Mm-hmm. You know, I'd get up, um, you know, four four thirty to make the commute. Gotta love, gotta love that Southern California traffic. Um, but I would commute an hour or so, and then get home 
you know, five, you know, get off work at five, <laughs> another hour home, you know, we'd be in the house together, exhausted in bed by, you know, seven thirty, eight thirty, nine o'clock. If we were lucky, if we were staying up late, right. um, but this was our life. I mean, there wasn't a lot of connection and no. there was, a, you know, I mean, no connections, even probably putting it too strongly. I mean, we were in a huge disconnect, um, roommates mm-hmm. basically sharing a bed and, but even when we had sex during those times for me, the, uh, being a guy, I'm, I'm very visual and mm-hmm. I'm not going to say all guys are, I am a very visual guy. I'm mm-hmm. a very visual human being. And so when we would have sex, even during those times, I was portraying or visualizing those women that I would see on my computer screen onto you. And that was utterly wrong. I mean, that was completely wrong because you could, you would never be able to satisfy me like I thought you should because I'm watching all this on all this acting on the internet. So it, it was a huge disconnect. Mm-hmm. You know, and gosh, just years of that just kept going on. And I knew about you going to the strip clubs. Yeah, I know I'd mentioned that to you. You know, it's kind of an offhanded like, well, you're nothing to do. So we went and sat in a strip club and and, you know, in retrospect, I mean, we're almost 14 years into our marriage. And, you know, I look back now and I'm like, OK, you know, <laughs> reading the penthouse letters, maybe that should have been. um. A tip off. A tip off. Maybe the going to the strip clubs should have been a tip off. But I think for me, um, you know, as I look back, I'm like, why didn't why didn't I catch this? Why didn't I know? And I think maybe on some level, I mean, we've talked pretty extensively about it now, and I think on some level, maybe I did a little bit. I I really, you know, and Tony's got more to share. I really don't think I had an inkling of the full scope. And I think partly because we were married so young in our early 20s that there was part of me that just didn't want to rock the boat. Mm-hmm. You know, I was married. Um, Tony and I both come from families where really divorce is not an option. <laughs> not unless Tony wants to deal with his, you know, sweet father <laughs> or my, you know, loving father. Um, it's really not an option. And so I was just like, well, you know what? We're just going to kind of, you know, yeah, you just didn't want to rock the boat. I didn't want to rock the boat. Right. So I didn't really I didn't really confront you on anything. You I didn't. think I think now further in our marriage or maybe even just being older, I would have had this had I seen these behaviors happening. Right. Now I probably would have been a little more like, "Well, what in the world is going on with you?" Yeah. Uh, and you know what? It probably would have been a different time. Mm-hmm. You know, different just having grown up back then, I think I would have just been very defensive i would have lashed out at you for questioning what i'm doing and why i'm doing it um i was very immature obviously Mm -hmm. so yeah that it just it 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 just penetrated my whole body my whole soul i mean it overtook me to the point of and we've discussed this so you know that i remember one time that I had to travel to New York uh, for work and I was at a bar mm-hmm. and it got I got pretty wasted and just started befriending a couple of women 
there at the bar with me and began to entertain the thought of, well, what if I could talk these two women to coming back to my hotel room with me? You know, and again, that's sort of the seeing a lot of it on screen, be it movies or pictures. And again, I began to fantasize this whole thing and I was really pushing the agenda. Hey, talking to them, drinking with them, seeing if I could get these two women to come back to my hotel with me. Luckily, we walked out the door and it didn't happen. I have heard the story. Um, and so <laughs> my silence is just that even though I know it and even though I know he was going to share it with um, all of you, there is still very much almost, I don't want to say shock because it's not shock, but just the realization once again um, that early in our marriage and this, this was, this was two years in two years in um, that we might not be sitting here sharing with you today <laughs> that, yeah. that it's conceivable that he could have done irreparable harm to our marriage. Um, do you want to share with everybody when I found out about this? Yeah, you can. Oh, okay. Um, or do you want me? It's fine. Okay. Tony just shared that last part um, about the women in the bar. I found out about that about a month ago. Yeah. And, uh-huh. Yep. Yeah. And, um, was needless to say, shocked and angry. And, um, you didn't want to talk to me for a while. I didn't want to talk to you. <laughs> We're working on all of our marriage coaching business, and I'm sitting here going, I, yeah, I literally like shut down for about two days. I was like, mm-hmm. mm, I'm not working on this. I don't want to do marriage coaching with you. How can I do marriage coaching with you? We're talking about honesty. We're talking about all of these things. And now, now you feel comfortable dropping this bomb on me? Yes. And, you know, we'll share more with you. But it was, he had finally gotten to a point where he was comfortable. I, on the other hand, had just been sucker punched. Right with you know starting lovers realization excuse me that the last 12 years <laughs> there had been kind of a big lie yeah in our marriage you know and um I was talking it was one of those things though you didn't ask the question so i didn't tell and i'm not saying that's right i'm not i'm not gonna i'm not, I'm not gonna justify it what question would i've asked did you Go to a bar on this business trip and try and pick up some women? No. Did you think about having an affair? N- no. Okay, so what would what would have been the question that you would have said yes to or I, you would have answered? I don't know. I, I don't know. Honestly, I don't know. Okay. I, I'm just I, 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 you know what? It, it comes to a point where viewing pornography, for me, it was so shameful. And... And I, and I I think I'm going to go back to 2000 when committed our committed my life to Christ. Right. And I would I was still doing it. So I felt all this shame. 
and I couldn't even imagine telling you, you know, and, and having done that deal at the bar, mm-hmm. I, I mean, I couldn't even imagine telling you then. I mean, oh my gosh, if I tell you what the heck, I mean, you were a spitfire <laughs> early on in our marriage. I mean, it would have been over in a heartbeat. Slightly, um, I have a large temper. <laughs> Well, over the years, you've, you, I've you, mellowed. We, we've but mellowed. early we've on, had he told me that, I probably would have literally oh, it like spontaneous gone. combustion. It yeah. would have been. It would have been very, very ugly. All right. Yes. So in 2000, when I committed my life to Christ, I felt like, man, I'm a new guy. I'm going to start making changes. Un- unfortunately, that didn't happen for me. Um, as many of you know, I hiked the PCT, and then afterwards, I went through just sort of this weird reintroduction into society after sitting on the trail for four and a half weeks or four and a half months, Elisa was working. Well, Elisa's working. Where do you think I am on the computer looking at pornography again? And this again continued for many years until finally I figured God wrote this thing called the Bible. Maybe I should get into it and start reading it. Mm Mm-hmm. And I started diving into the Bible and started to understand God's grace on me and his mercy and that he loves me even though I am doing what I'm doing. And I can remember times viewing it, masturbating, and then praying right to God going, I am a sinful human being. I am a mess, God. I need your saving grace. I am a mess. I had finally come to the point where I realized there was a problem. Before that time, there was no problem. No. To me, there was no problem. To me, I was viewing it. I enjoyed it. It gave me satisfaction. And I really did not think of my con- the consequences it caused in our marriage. I just, I didn't. And it was stupid of me to not. But... I mean, when you're viewing that, it is like getting high. Mm-hmm. I mean, the rush of endorphins to your brain is absolutely unbelievable. And so I didn't see there was a problem until I finally picked up the Bible and started reading how wonderful and awesome our God is. Mm-hmm. And that's when I finally started going, oh boy, I need to do something. Mm-hmm. I need to do something because this is not going to be good. And what'd you do? Kept looking at it. Kept picking up my Bible. Kept praying to God to clean me. Yeah, I I didn't, you know, I didn't have a good support group. I didn't know where to turn. I just knew God was there and he was going to, he was going to save me somehow, some way it was going to happen. And fortunately, we ended up here in Poway mm-hmm. and at a church where another fellow was dealing with this and we got to talking a little bit mm-hmm. and he was telling me about his struggles and how he had been dealing with it and how it had also been affecting his marriage and we just connected and I listened to him and he was going through a uh, an online program. Right. where there was a mentorship and everything. And I thought that was really cool. I checked it out. Um, but for me, I, I saw that. And I was like, I'm not doing this. 
And I remember just sort of praying to God, going, God, I need to stop this. I need to stop this. And one day I was viewing it. I mean, I'm sitting here on the internet and you know what? It was right here in our garage. We record in our garage. Yeah, we record in our garage. He's pointing and you can't. (laughs) You can't see me pointing. You can't see the visual, but he's pointing to our garage where we're sitting right now. So. But it was right here in our garage. I remember viewing it on my laptop. And I whoa, remember... Whoa, 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 whoa. Hold on. I thought once we moved into this place, you had stopped. No. Okay. Remember, Alex was still like Alex one or two years old. Okay, go ahead. Yeah, he was two years old. Okay. Um, And I remember sitting here viewing it. And I just... A voice came over to me and just said, you need to tell Elisa. You need to tell Elisa. And she is going to be your accountability person. And that's it. And I remember just hearing, I'm like, what the, what is, you know, and I'm like looking at this and I'm going, oh, uh, and I clicked off of it. And I remember just walking right inside and telling you. And and Alex at the time was two. Probably two. One or two. I think well, he was we two. moved in when he was one and a half. Yeah. So he so. was two. And I remember walking in, telling you, and I looked directly in your eyes and I said, Elisa, I have a problem. I have an issue with pornography. I need to overcome this and I do not need men to be accountable to. I need to be accountable to you. You are my wife and I need you to be accountable to me and need to call me out on it. And do you remember, you remember how we, we set this up? I mean, it was just sort of like this, this is the way we're doing it and I can go cold Turkey on stuff if I have to. And I've done it many times before and this is how I did it. I was done. I was done and I was ready just to get this over with. And so I told Elisa, I said, listen, if I view pornography, I need to tell you. And it and it can't be, I'm going to tell you two weeks later. No, I got to tell you right then and there. And I don't care if it's at midnight. I'm waking you up and I'm telling you. And that's how we did it. Yeah. Needless to say, I was a little shocked. One, at the revelation. And two, at the idea that, you know, I, I know Tony's got a strong personality. So the idea that he was going to go cold turkey, um, I guess because I didn't know the you know, even then I didn't know the full extent, the full extent. I was like, all right, well, he's, I, I guess he's going to stop looking at pornography. You know, I didn't realize it was a bit, I don't even think at that point in time, you even went into, you didn't, didn't go into, go, didn't you didn't go, go into details. Into, I didn't go into details. And again, you know, at that you point, didn't ask any I questions. didn't ask. Um, and I think, I think that's partly because when you tell me you're going to do something, you've never, not gone through you know gone back on your word right you you have always you've never given me a reason to doubt you and so if you told me that you were going to do this or if you told me that you were going to wake me up at midnight to say i'm coming cling to you i was just like okay um i'm a little bit in shock and i'm not sure i i I just i just remember you just sort of looking at me and going (laughs) okay Uh, and basically and that's all i needed to hear though you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. For me, that's all I needed you to that's all I needed you to say to me was okay. Because in my head I had already formalized how I was gonna right. approach this, how I was gonna tackle it, and what I was gonna do. Well, and I think I think that was one of those times that God was probably well not was probably was at work in our marriage because we'd already sh- we've already shared this with you. Early on in our marriage, my first inclination at something that would have been a threat to my marriage 
would have been to jump all over you. Right. And to pepper you with questions. What are you doing? Why are you doing this? How long are you doing it? All of the things that have now become questions that we've been able to talk about, but that if I had asked you five years ago, um, probably would have led to a horrible, um, a horrible fight. Okay. Small pause there. Our seven year old just walked in while we were recording. Uh, Boda is saying is, you know, early in our marriage, that kind of revelation would have led to a horrible fight. And the fact that I didn't jump all over you, um, that's kind of one of those small things because I think it would have led to a much more defensive posture on my side, on your part. Right. Cause I would have been attacking, right. You would have been attacking me and I, I probably would have pulled away and just gone. Well, forget it. She doesn't understand what I'm going through and I'm going to just keep viewing this stuff. That's not to say ladies that if your husband is viewing pornography, that you should not confront the issue in our situation. Again, Tony had never given me any reason to doubt him or to doubt his word. And so I, through God's grace, knew enough to keep my mouth shut right there. That's not to say that I didn't have questions, and that's not to say that we haven't hashed a lot of stuff out. I just didn't do it right then when he was coming clean. Right. Mm -hmm. So you came clean. So I came clean. And it it wasn't more than a couple of days, and I came to you. Because I had viewed pornography. And I remember just coming into you and just going, Elisa, I need to tell you something. And I, I could already see the look in your face. Those are words every wife never wants to hear. Right. <laughs> I need to talk to you. And so I remember just telling you, and that look on your face just sunk my heart. It really hurt. And it gave me a lot to think about. It gave me a really a lot to think about and to pray about and to go back to God and, and let him know that I'm a sinful man and I need to be cleansed again by his grace and his glory. And a couple of weeks later, you ended up going to see your folks in Ohio and you were gone for 10 days, something like that. You were gone for, you are gone for a good period of time and man right then again the door opened the the devil was attacking me and boom I'm on the computer and even though you were in Ohio I picked up the phone and I let you know what happened and this time I heard it in your voice I could just I could just I, I sensed it and at that point in time I got it I got it the realization of what I was doing was hurting you every time I did it. And it was the second time. And that was the last of it. That that's it. That was the end of it. I, I just, it was done. Mm -hmm. I I stopped. I did not want to hear your voice like that. I did not want to see your face. Look at me like you had. And I just, I stopped. And that was it. Cold turkey, done. And I have not touched it in five years. Five plus years. Five plus years now. Mm -hmm. I have not touched it. Now, does that mean I don't have the inclination to do it? I think there are times where I do, but I just, I just go, you know what? I'm not, I'm not even entertaining that thought anymore. Mm -hmm. I'm not. And, you know, it is, Honestly, through the power and glory of God, 
that I do not see those images in my head anymore, that I do not desire that anymore, that the woman that you are, the wife that you are to me is who I desire and look up to as being the standard of the woman that I should be looking mm-hmm. at. That you are that woman to me. And it's it's been tough. I mean, it was very tough. And I mean, it's hard to share all the emotions and all the agony that I went through many, many a times and the secrecy and and not talking about it or even sharing it with other guys is tough, even though you know other guys are going through it. I mean, I think the stats we are looking at were right. 53%. It's it's a ridiculously high amount. High amount. Um, and obviously, even those statistics I read at the beginning of the show, just, you know, people are viewing it during the workday and people, you know, it's on the internet. And apparently, you know, we were having a conversation driving home yesterday and Tony was sharing with me that one of our friends who's in the, um, what is he, telecommunications? Uh all the computer mm-hmm. industry that a lot of a lot of what's going on with our phones in terms of the advancing technology is due to the porn industry um, trying to have the technology so that whether you're at home or on the go, you can view your porn. And, you know, that was one of those things where, you know, I've been just kind of floored by how pervasive this is. And so when Tony came to me a month ago and I don't even remember how we got on the topic. I don't, you know, it was one of those times where I think we were just really flushing out a lot of stuff in our own lives, even though we did our 60 days of sex, mm-hmm. which is, it was completely possible because I was free of pornography. Right. It would not have happened in our marriage if I had been addicted and still viewing that. I think as we have grown in our marriage and matured in our intimacy, these are things that I felt that needed to be talked about. Right. It, it, again, it was sort of that shameful part of, of my past that needed to be exposed. So that way I know that you and I are on a very common ground and are completely open and honest with each other. And as much as that hurt to bring up, mm-hmm. and I know it hurt you much, much more because I was trying to play it down. Uh-huh. You know, yeah, because I think, I mean, I don't want to put words in your mouth, but for you, it was in the past. It, yes. it had been, it had been, you know, something that had happened, you know, over a decade ago. Right. And yet for me, because I was just hearing it, it might have well have happened yesterday. Uh, that's mm-hmm. how that pain felt. And, you know, one of the things that you, I want to share for both husbands and wives is that pornography is emotional adultery. <laughs> you are lusting after becoming emotionally and if you're masturbating physically (laughs) stimulated by someone that is not your spouse and that's wrong. (laughs) If you've got problems in your marriage then you need to work on that with your husband or your wife. It's not where you go turn toward the internet. Um, If you've got problems with addiction sexual addiction, there are, you know, a number of websites. The one that um, Tony's friend had used was settingcaptivesfree.com. That is one that I've looked at. They've got amazing resources for both those that are going through it and the spouse. Exactly. To help help the spouse to understand better. And this is a course that um, 
you have a mentor mm-hmm. who helps you through the this area. And, and guys, I'm going to tell you, if you're sitting here and you're listening and you're going, ah, it's not, it's not affecting my marriage. I'm going to call you out right now and I'm going to call your, I'm going to call you out. I mean, really it is, it is, and you need to get help. You need to start figuring out a way that is best for you to get out of this, to stop viewing it, to stop being a part of it. And I would say the first step is letting your wife know and start and check out settingcaptivesfree.com. You can also check out the triplexchurch.com. Mm-hmm. They have some or, great resources. Actually, it's triplexchurch.org. But it is going to affect your intimacy. And if you're sitting there wondering why we can't have this so awesome, passionate sex life that just, man, toe-curling <laughs> sex it's it's because your mind is somewhere else and it's not on your wife and i know that for a fact and i'm not gonna lie to you you, you need help and i hope you go see it go seek it out go find it i hope you come to your knees and pray before god and let him know that you need help okay I, and i'm not playing around with this it is true it is affecting our marriages. It is affecting our society. It is affecting our kids. It is time to stand up, be the man that you are in your marriage, and get the hell away from that crap. It's time to put your foot down. And I cannot say it any easier, any nicer, because I'm not going to listen to anybody come to me and tell me it is a good thing in their marriage. It is not. It is crap. And it is killing the love that you have for your wife, for your kids, for the God that we look up to. Guys, make the choice. Make the choice to turn your life around and to have an extraordinary marriage. And I'm not going to say it's going to happen tomorrow. It's not an easy walk. It's not. It took me many years to get over it, to, to finally get that filth out of my head and to see my wife for who she is, for who God made her for me. Mm-hmm. But you got to take the step you got to stop lying to yourself and you got to take the steps to get out of it and i think on the wife side of things um you know for me it was a lot of prayer um it was it was committing to tony to be his accountability partner to saying okay you know and there was part of me that said you know i really don't want to know i mean if you're doing this <sighs> Because I, I didn't even realize how much it was damaging our marriage. But I can see the difference between what our marriage used to be and when Tony stopped, what our marriage has been like since then. And it's like a tale of two marriages. Uh, in terms of how he views me as a woman, um, I'm not, you know, just kind of the plaything in the bedroom. I'm, you know, I am his wife. Mm-hmm. I am his cherished wife wife 
And that's because he doesn't have, you know, 50 million other images going through his head. He doesn't have all of these other acts going through his head, things that I could never do. You know, that's, that's gone. And God took that away. And God took away when Tony dropped that bomb on me, you know, a month ago about, you know, his experiences in Newark. Um, you know, and I'm just seething. I, I, I was horrified. I was stunned. I was shocked. You know, you kind of have all of those stages of anger, denial and grief, you know, just all of that happening. And, you know, at the same time I had to go pick up my daughter from preschool. Um, so I remember being in the car on the way and, you know, we'd had probably what a day and a half, mm-hmm. uh, sort of that awkward tension, not really, you know, n- no screaming, no fighting, but I was just, I was very uncomfortable and I didn't know what was going to happen with one extraordinary marriage. Um, because I was kind of questioning it. Uh, I was questioning where we were and what we were doing and why now? And I, you know, so I'm in the car and I'm praying. I'm like, God, you are the only one that can make this better. Because right now, I really don't like my husband. I'm not sure I love him. And I'm not sure where all this is coming from. And I was just I'm like <laughs> driving, driving, knowing that the four-year-old's going to be in the car, peppering me with questions, you know, about life and, you know, um, you know, all of this. And so I just said, help me. Help my marriage show me what I need to do or what I need to say. Heal my heart because I was very wounded. And, you know, so I come home and Tony's still there and I'm like, oh, he's still here. (laughs) Kind of hoped he'd gone to work while I was picking up Abby. And I looked at him and I realized that God had answered my prayer. And the answer to that was that here we are only a month later and we are sharing this story with all of you. And I am not sitting here seething in anger. I have been able to share over the last month this story with other women who are dealing with husbands who are sexually addicted to say, you know what? It sucks. It is a drain on your marriage. You both need help. Okay, You need to find counselors that can work with you. Even if all you need is somebody to vent to, it is better... <laughs> in some respects than dumping all of that anger and that venom and that poison on your spouse who's trying to trying to change their life if they're trying to change if they're trying to change if they are right. truly trying to change and you can see that you're dumping your emotions which are valid and they are true and they should be shared with the spouse that your husband should know the pain that he has caused you but we as women and I will take that back. I will say I, as a woman, tend to, um, what's the word? Not regurgitate, but repeat myself in terms of, you know, sometimes the issue isn't dead when I think, (laughs) when Tony's like, okay, I'm done with it. And I'm like, no, I want to talk about it again. (laughs) I'm going to make you pay one more time. Um, Find someone that can, that can just listen to you. If you need counseling, because the issue is, you can't even get your hands around it. If your husband needs counseling, you know, we deal with um, Dr. Corey Allen with uh, simplemarriage.net. Simple net. Thank you. And, you know, we'll put his resources up uh, with this podcast as well so that you can, you know, click through to Corey and, and talk to him, talk through the stuff. 
if there are counselors at your church, um, I know sometimes when you're dealing with the church family, there is a sense of embarrassment and a sense of shame. Mm-hmm. Remember that they are there to help, that they do have those same privacy guidelines. You know, they're not going to talk to you and then walk out of the room and be like, oh my gosh, would you believe what's going on in their marriage? Right. Those that are chosen to be counselors in your church should be held to the same standards as if you were going to a counselor outside the church right. in terms of privacy. Seek the help. Find a support group. You know, Don't bag on your husband to your girlfriends um, because that's something we women sometimes do. Find those girlfriends that are going to be supportive and that are going to lift you up. Pray for healing in your heart. And if, if any of you out there are going through this and you need a sounding board, you can email Elisa or I. Mm-hmm. If you're a woman, I'd ask that you email Elisa in this regard. And if you're a guy and you need help, I, I would ask that you email me in mm-hmm. this regard. We we like to keep it gender. Um, What is the word I'm looking for? Gender specific. Gender specific. Yes. Um, you know, we just, and again, that goes back to boundaries that we've set in our marriage that we don't um, counsel opposite sex uh, individuals right. that way. We just, we keep things above board. Um, this obviously has been a huge topic tonight and we've gone on longer. <laughs> so we thank you for listening. Yeah. And uh, we'll probably, I think it's such a big topic. We're, we're going to have to, we're going to come back into it somewhere. We do. It, it, it's, it's too big to, to just lay out for one 60 minute podcast. Right. And, you know, to that regard, if you would like to share your story with us, if you would like to share how your marriage has survived pornography or sexual addiction, yeah, feel free to, you know, again, email us at askalisa at oneextraordinarymarriage.com or asktony at oneextraordinarymarriage.com. If you want to call us and leave a message um, on our listener feedback line, you can do that at 858-754-9937. And if you do that, you would be the first person to do that. And that would be so rad. <laughs> I, I'm telling you, I am looking forward to having somebody call in and let us know what how awesome their marriage is after pornography. I'll, I'll play it over and over. <laughs> I, I mean, really. So if you're out there and you got a story that you want to shout from the mountaintops, call us. I, I want to play that. Please, I do that marriage can survive pornography addiction. We know it's a challenge. We know that our world is against (laughs) getting over that addiction because we hear it all the time, sex sells, and you see it everywhere. But we want to come alongside you and, and celebrate your success, lift you up in your challenges. And so we hope that you will get in contact with us. Um, just want to share some a couple of upcoming things that are going on with us before we say goodbye until next week. Um, the first thing is that we are actually speaking on Tuesday with one of the pastors at Trinity Baptist Church in Marion, Ohio, about speaking to their congregation. Um, this is very exciting for us. They've got some wonderful things that they're doing there. And to that end, if your church is interested in having us come and speak, you know, get in contact with us. We'd love to share our story. Um, or a number of the other topics that you see on our speaking page. There's a lot to be said for just having sort of your average 
Joe come and share that, you know, marriage can weather all of these different storms. In fact, we're doing a fireside chat this Sunday night um, through the church at Rancho Bernardo uh, called Coming Out Stronger on the Other Side of Lies, Loss, and Hardship. And so for those of you that are in the San Diego area, you can click through um, the church at rb.org and go to the marriage tab. And that has all the details for that, if that was something that you'd be interested in. And then lastly, um, just want to ask for your help. And as we begin to develop more podcasts, we realize that we are not the experts on everything, but we're looking to do some upcoming blogs and podcasts on um, those folks that are involved in a military marriage where you're dealing with deployments, you're dealing with, you know, your husband or wife could be overseas for extended periods of time. And how do you maintain the intimacy when your husband's in a war zone, when your wife is overseas for a year? Um, So if, if those are topics that pertain to you that impact your family or you know somebody that uh, is in a military marriage, would love to have you once again get in contact with us through the website. Go to oneextraordinarymarriage.com and just let us know. We'd like to get some listener input on those upcoming upcoming shows. And if you're interested in being a guest blogger for us on mm-hmm. that topic, as well as we would love to have a couple come on with us and talk about how they have an extraordinary marriage as they go through or as the, 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 as being a military family. Mm-hmm. And that would be awesome. This is the first one and we got a number of them that we're going to start tackling because you guys out there are awesome and you guys have extraordinary marriages and we want to share that with the world. And so one last thing, I just want to ask for a prayer for Elisa and I. As we have developed one, there are many moments in time when you know, we feel that we are just being attacked because we're spreading the good word. And so we ask that you just lift us up. And number two, our book and its entirety is done. And now we are just looking for an editor to go through that. So hopefully in the next couple of months, we'll have that out to you guys. Mm-hmm. And so that that is a true blessing. And hopefully it's not the one and only. I mean, we have some other ideas out there, but you guys are all just awesome and we are just so blessed to have the many fans that we have on one extraordinary marriage uh facebook fan page Mm -hmm. and all of those comments that you guys are giving us on our blog so please keep it up spread the word tell your friends tell your family we want to hear from you email us call us we love you guys and until next week have a great one 